Good afternoon. You have reached Movie Phone. Well done, Cosmo. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> what's hey, going on? What's playing besides Contagion? Oh, uh, Pandemic. Love it. Nobody has a handle on the league like these two hockey heads. Mike Farwell, Chris Pope, your number one authorities on the OHL. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Popper, we are doing exactly what we have been instructed to do by everyone who calls themselves a leader. And quite frankly, they are leading social distancing. And admit it, you kind of like this being this far away from me. Uh, You know what? I love it. I think we should do the podcast when I'm on the phone and you're at the studio all the time. That's because it's so much easier for you. I'm not going to lie. I'm currently uh, making some banana pancakes, enjoying a nice cup of homemade coffee. Thinking of maybe doing a coffee review here in a couple hours, um, and and review my uh, my home my home brew here because quite frankly, I'm not leaving the house anytime soon. How are things going for you as we are in the midst of this pandemic due to coronavirus? Um, you know what? It got off to a hot start. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, first day there, I think it was well, even Sunday. I think. Um, I had the kitchen and the living room all disinfected. I had the laundry all downstairs ready to go on the laundry machine. I was I was ready to go. And then uh, Tuesday, I ended up having to go to the chiropractor because I threw my back out. And uh, that laundry is still sitting here at the top of the stairs. <laughs> there, there's some dishes that need to be done. And, uh, yeah, it's been a been an interesting one. I've spent a lot of time laying down on the couch after the chiropractor told me not to sit, to lay down. So uh, laying down on the couch, I did some barbecue in the other day. That's pretty big. Uh, you know, it's one of those things I said to my buddy who's got two dogs. I said, can I borrow a dog for a couple weeks? Like, just to give me some companionship here. I feel like I'm just talking to myself. So, you know, as much as we joke about not wanting to be together, it's nice to hear from you. You know, I miss you. And this is one of the ways that we can, and one of the reasons, be together, that is, and one of the reasons we wanted to put out a podcast this week, because I think that people might just want a little bit of a break from all the COVID-19 talk. I can tell you that I look forward to every break that I get, because I'm still healthy enough, and we have taken incredible precautions inside Roger's Kitchen or Radio, so I'm going into work every day with about eight or nine other people. That's all we've got who are not working from home right now, and I'm doing a three-hour talk show that is all about the coronavirus. And let me tell you, I mean, I know there are people that work far harder than I do, and there are people who are on the front lines of this medically who are absolute heroes, but damn if this isn't exhausting. Isn't it? It really is. Just talking about it. And I, you know, God bless her. My mother just extremely worried about me and my brother. My brother took his family quarantined up at the cottage. So he's living life, eating mom and dad's food, drinking dad's beer, running around the cottage all day, playing outside. And I'm stuck here in a townhouse in Kitchener. <laughs> but mom's forwarded me every update about this thing. And I'm just like, I get it. Like I'm, I'm on Twitter. I see it enough. I don't need, you know, it. Not only is it depressing, I still want to stay educated because I want to know what's going on. But, you know, I do my daily check-in once or twice, and then I'm like, that's enough. I, I don't know how, how you're doing it, running a three-hour talk show talking about nothing about this virus and just updating people on telling them the same things, you know, like, hey, maybe don't go outside. Maybe well, don't host dinner parties. 
that's, here we are, people still hosting dinner parties. That's the thing about this. It's it's not even as repetitive as it sounds. This story just continues to evolve from one hour. I was going to say one day, but it's not even that. From one hour to the next. I mean, it's it's an incredible pace that we are dealing with here when it comes to information and. Yeah, your point is well taken. In fact, the day that we're recording this podcast, I, I asked the question along the lines of what you're just saying. You know, people, some people are still having their dinner parties. What what price are we willing to pay in order to contain this thing? Because I think it's a pretty steep price insofar as fairly drastic changes to our lifestyle. But if that's all it is, a pretty drastic change to our lifestyle, why are we so reluctant to do it. Oh, I got to have that dinner party. Oh, I got to go to this bar while they're closed now. But, you know, I got to do this. I got to do that. No, maybe right now you don't because it's not about you as much as it's about other people who you may infect if, heaven forbid, you pick something up. Especially once like this week where I feel like like we were all warned about it last week and we all knew, you know, the precautions and to try to do your best to wash your hands and not go into too big a crowded areas. But it was you know, like 200, 500 people. And then this week it kind of went from that to we're going to shut down everything. And, you know, like essentially non-essential services are all shut down. I, like, is that not the wake-up call people needed? <laughs> I mean, like it was all fun and games last week. And now this week everyone's like, okay, no, like, you know, you, you guys aren't really listening to us and it's that's not really working. We need to take that next step. And uh, there's still people that have that mindset of, you know, it's not going to happen to me. People are still talking about when the NHL is going to come back and stuff. It's like, you guys realize what we're dealing with here? Like, <laughs> like long gone is political are our political leaders um, talking about how, Oh, it's just a common cold. Wash your hand. No, it's don't leave your house. <laughs> and it's a pretty simple thing to do unless you need to like go to the grocery store, grab a thing of toilet paper. If you need it, grab your groceries and go home. And, but can't figure out the simple things in life, and it really bothers me. I did go out and get ice cream last night because a situation like this calls for the occasional bowl of ice cream, just so you know. For sure. Well, and hey, did you did you go get ice cream and then walk into a crowded area and high-five everybody, or did you, like, wash your hands before you went, leave your car, go get the ice cream, and go back into your car and go home? That's exactly like, what I did, and I didn't pay that? cash. I paid, you know, tapped my card, and off I went. Yeah. yeah. All yeah, right. I went and got groceries the other day, but I used hand sanitizer before I went in, wiped the cart down. I even watched how close I was getting to other people while they were grocery shopping because I didn't want to make them feel um, endangered. Grabbed my groceries, and then I went home. It's a strange, strange world. We are uh, about seven minutes into this non-coronavirus podcast talking about coronavirus. So (laughs) here's a little bit of a heads up. Since you're here and listening... Our pledge to you, and the reason we're doing this, as I said earlier, to give you a break from all of the coronavirus talk, we're going to share some of our favorite stories from our time covering the Ontario Hockey League and also replay for you what might be the best interview we had with anyone throughout the course of this season on the Farwell and Pope podcast. But, you know, before we get to those stories and a little bit of, you know, relief from all of this, the, the fact is not lost on me, Chris, and I was talking earlier about the story changing from hour to hour, but we are recording this one week and one day from the last broadcast that we did of an OHL hockey game. It's still hard for me to imagine that seven days and a half ago, we were at the Sleeman Center 
in Guelph. And none of this was even on the radar. We finished a game and it was the end of that game in Guelph where we learned that the NBA was suspending its season and the dominoes just started to fall from there. But it's just so quickly. And now here we are recording as the Ontario Hockey League has said, the rest of the regular season is canceled. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we were just just there, eh? We were literally just doing a game, and now here we are having to do a podcast in two different locations. Um, I, I we we got the news right as that game ended, Mike. If you remember that the um, March Madness was going to play games without fans in the stands, so that's where they were at a week ago, and then here's where we're at now as a society. And I said to you on the broadcast then, and I'll repeat it now, I said, I don't know if we'll be doing next Friday's game. And because I I thought if the NCAA, one of the most money-hungry, corrupt organizations in the world, um, is willing to play those massive money games in front of an empty empty stadiums for an entire month, then there's no way the OHL and the CHL, which are normally pretty progressive, um, that they that they were going to continue to go about the same way. And I, I, I just knew then at that point that this was going to take on a life of its own. And then it came out that the NBA had canceled their schedule and so on and so forth. And um, it, it's it's weird. I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy having a weekend last weekend to not do anything but do nothing <laughs> um, and hang out uh, with some family and friends uh, before this whole lockdown came into effect. Um, but it's, it's very odd not to have uh, any Rangers or OHL games to worry about. It's very odd to not uh, start to plan. What do I have to do tomorrow? Like I obviously work my full-time job and then the broadcast. So it's, it's tough not to look at my phone calendar and be like, okay, what do I have to do tomorrow? Where, where are we going? And it was just coming down to that home stretch where everybody started talking about who was going to finish where. And it looked more and more like the Rangers and storm were going to meet in the first round and, um, I was really looking forward to that because there was some bad blood between those two teams and it would have been one heck of a series. But, you know, you, you do feel for a lot of those teams, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but if the playoffs don't happen, you do feel for a lot of those teams that weren't normally where they were in the standings, like a Flint. Um, you got to feel for Saginaw, who was looking to rebound after last year's loss to Guelph in the Western Conference Final. Uh, the Rangers loaded up and were going for it, the best team they've had in quite some time. Um, there's a, there's a lot of teams and look at the East, even the Ottawa 67s after falling so short last year, looking like they're going to just cruise to the OHL final and maybe even the Memorial cup. And now there's overagers on that team, like a Joseph Gareffa who are sitting at home going, what does my future hold? Well, fasten your seatbelts because here are a couple of the things that I know with regard to the, cancellation of the remainder of the regular season. And I want to emphasize regular because even when I keep seeing it fly around social media, OHL cancels remainder of season. That almost makes it sound like everything, playoffs included. But I want to stress at this point, that is not the case. So when it comes to the regular season at the time of cancellation, the Mississauga Steelheads are the team that has played the fewest number of games at 61. So fans of whatever team in the Ontario Hockey League 
look at your team's standings, how many games have they played, then subtract any points gained since game number 61 because that's what the standings are going to revert to, where your team was at after 61 games. And then should there be a playoff, emphasis on should there be, those will be the seedings. It's not going to change things dramatically. I just took a quick look, but it would still be Kitchener-Guelph, for example, and I don't think there's uh, much in the way of change. But the bottom line is to look at uh, Game 61. That's where the standings are going to revert, and it's going to be go down as a 61-game a shortened season in the Ontario Hockey League. The other thing that I think you'll want to be aware of is, <laughs> and I, I, I can't even imagine what these scenarios look like, but there are no fewer than 30. That's 30 different scenarios the Ontario Hockey League is working with right now in order to have some form of playoff. 30-plus scenarios on the table for something that would get desperately needed revenue. And I'm not trying to make it about money versus health. I'm just saying... If this crisis passes in time that the league can have any kind of playoff whatsoever, it's got 30-plus scenarios to make that happen. Sorry, I'm just finishing up my banana pancake here. Um, that, uh, that doesn't surprise me in any way. This league is very, like I said, very progressive, very smart, always looking towards the future, always trying to do what's best for the players and what's best for this league. So it comes as no surprise to me that, they have a contingency plan in place for slash if when um, it is safe to proceed again. My thing is, though, I, I don't think there's going to be enough time. They can have as many many plans as they want. This season is over, and they're not going to put players' health at risk in order to play, let's say, 24 playoff games and then do a, a Memorial Cup. I don't, they might do some sort of Memorial Cup, take the league champion from each and make them play – just a quick round robin, but I or you just give um, Kelowna the Memorial Cup again next year. <laughs> they might have a better team next oh, year than they have this year. Let me interrupt. Sorry, that's not going to happen. If you want to, okay. the the Memorial Cup rotation will continue, so it comes back to Ontario next year. Okay. So you give Kelowna back their money. Um, <laughs> well, you do, of course. I, I really like the line though about they might have a better team next year. Um, for fans that don't know, go look at where they are in the standings. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer that this, like, there's a lot bigger, and I know we're not talking about coronavirus or COVID-19 or whatever you want to call it, but there are a lot bigger issues in the world right now that we need to concentrate on and that that brain power can be used on than when does the NBA start up again? What's the NHL playoffs going to look like? like? There are much bigger things. And I understand that there's a, portion of sport that allows everybody to come together and takes your mind off it we don't have to look too far back to 9-11 where you know the, the game of baseball in the states america's pastime really brought that country together in just mere days after the biggest terrorist attack of, of our lives um but I, I really don't think that the time frame that we're seeing around the world for this virus that we haven't seen before is going to allow sport to carry on in a safe way and if you can't do it in a safe way why are we even talking about doing it like they can have all these contingency plans in place farzi but it's not like next week they're going to be like oh yeah everyone's fine let's go 
playoff time. Well, that's exactly it, though, Pulper. That's that's why there are almost three dozen different scenarios in play. You have to remember that the Ontario Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League and the executives involved, like I get your point about the brain power and, and where it should be focused right now, but look, as much as we both have sung the praises of David Branch, the OHL commissioner, time and again on this podcast, he's not going to be the deciding factor in the creation of a vaccine for coronavirus. So the the Ontario Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League, just like any other business that is being disrupted right now, is working on a variety of scenarios for when things can return to normal. And that might not be until next season. We don't know. There are so many unknowns. But it would not be prudent if the league wasn't looking at a variety of scenarios because we are recording this on March the 19th. Again, things are changing almost by the hour (laughs) with this outbreak, with this global pandemic. We don't know where we're going to be by the time we finish recording this podcast, much less tomorrow, much less next week. But if, for example, in the middle of May, things are clear, we can start talking about getting back into arenas, then When that should occur, if, sorry, if that should occur, the league is going to have a plan that can be immediately implemented to salvage some sort of playoff. So don't get me wrong, and I don't think you should get down on the league, anybody should get down on the OHL or the CHL for having these plans. Because if it can happen with the full health of players and fans taken into account, they need to make sure it happens. That's all I'm saying. One million percent. And if, and if what I said previously came across is that I felt like they shouldn't even have a contingency plan, that's not what I, I meant by that. And of course, they needed to. And of course, I knew this league would. And I'm, I'm sure they had it even before they canceled it or the regular season, right? They had a plan in place. Sure. That that, that was the day that if things were still going awry, that was the day we were going to cancel the regular season. And then they have a plan, I'm sure, set up for the next, uh, you know, three months probably at this point or even two months, let's say two plans a week, right? At the start of a weekend, at the end of a weekend, where, what do we do if it is safe for us to play again? And then that's the plan they're going to go with. I love the fact that they have so many and they've looked so far into the future. I just, if, if I'm a fan, don't get your hopes up is my, is my message because I'm a, I'm a belief um, that the like sports is done for the year as far, as far as I'm concerned. Cause I just think I, looking at what we're seeing around the world and um, what we're seeing happening, I can't imagine there's any way to do it safely, whether fans or not fans, unless you're going to set up a test for each one of the players before they come into the rink and each media member and each coach. And even then you can test negative and still have it because they can sit a dormant in your system for like four or five days and you can test negative, but still have it. So I, I don't know what the best way to go about it is. And quite frankly, this is why David Branch is one of the best commissioners in sports because he has to deal with it and I can sit at home with my banana pancakes and coffee. Yeah, and I don't think uh, you're alone in that line of thinking. I'm sure there are many who look at the sports landscape and say, okay, I'm checking out. I'll be ready to check back in next season or maybe check in with baseball sometime around August, if that may be the case. But I'm standing over here today just thinking to myself or, or quite frankly, just clinging to the idea that there might be, because it gives me hope. Because if you get too caught up in all of this right now, and I'm not saying you should ignore the stories and, and 
you know, not do the things that you're being asked to do, but man, oh man, it can be so overwhelming. So for me, I'm, I'm just hoping, I'm going to allow myself to hope that not just the Ontario Hockey League, but the National Hockey League and the NBA and Major League Baseball all get back to some kind of normalcy sooner rather than later. I trust that they will not do it if anybody's health is at risk, but man, I need that. I can only watch so much Netflix right now. I'm right with you. I, <laughs> I've turned to stream. If you're looking for a good show, watch Barry, B-A-R-R-Y. It's fantastic. Um, it's not on Netflix. You can stream it, though. Okay, good um, one. Yeah, yeah. it takes you off the Netflix banner. I've been heavy into The Office. Somebody posted a uh, March Madness-style tournament of Office episodes. So uh, my buddies um, and I, as we're known, the Stray Cats, have our uh, buddy Snapchat group, and we've been playing a March Madness tournament. So two games every day. So you watch four episodes and then everybody has to send me their silent picks. And then at the end, I post the winners. So it's like a March Madness tournament and we're all watching The Office together. It's pretty good. Nice. Uh, man, we got to do something, right? We were just talking today. Is there any way to get like a uh, electronic Euchre game together for all of us? Or can we all play poker in some room? Like, do we have those poker apps still? Those, are those things even still around? I don't know. They might make for- a comeback. Yeah, the, the online poker rooms, that'd be sweet. Get all the boys in there and just play for 20 bucks or something. Like, But man, oh man, there, it's, uh, you're, everybody's constantly looking for things to do. And I, I got to say, um, I'm sure everybody does know, but for those who don't, um, I'm sick of the wife. Whoa, whoa, um, back that one up. You cut out for a sec. Oh, sorry. I'm a single, single guy, live alone, no wife, no kids. Um, and I'm watching all these people and my buddies and family who have kids at home and all the different things they're coming up with to occupy their kids. I give these people credit. There are some outside of the box thinking people out there that are raising tomorrow's future. Good on you. Cause I don't know how I could do it if I was trapped up in here with a couple little ankle biters running around. Well, you said before that you wish you could borrow a dog for companionship. Let me tell you, they're not always a picnic either. Although, you know, our pup at home isn't so bad. Yeah, dogs are always the best, Farsi. Even, even when they're bad, you're like, yeah, I still love you. <laughs> That's you, the problem. You dummy. I know. Right? Well, one of the other things the really uh, creative parents can do is park their kids in front of the smart speaker or however they're consuming this episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast and, and listen to Farwell and Pope spin some yarns about their years and trials and tribulations through the Ontario Hockey League. What do you got for us, Popper? Give us a story that's going to make us remember something that happened. Give us a story. Why why don't we play the interview and I'll come back with one. All right. You want to do that? Sure. Well, and I time to think. I want you I gave you time to think by texting you 38 hours ago for this. Yeah, but I didn't know you wanted like a personal story. I got I got to think back. We just told parents to let their kids listen. Half my stories I can't let kids listen to. That's fair. Okay. I wanted you to set up, though, this conversation. It's one of our absolute favorites, and it's a story unto itself. And I can't even quite remember how you came to the idea that you were going to interview this particular player when we were in Saginaw early in the season. But you did that. And way back in uh, episode 65, it was... This kid's name, the ladies are going to love you. Tell us, set up this interview for us. Yeah, it was perfect. I was, we were on the bus ride down and I was looking through the Saginaw roster and was thinking to myself, who am I going to interview? Uh, obviously the easy answer is Cole Perfetti. Uh, 
but I think I'd already interviewed him that year. So we were heading down there for the first time. And I was looking through the roster and I remembered the name stuck out to me right away. because I remember seeing a tweet about it during the draft and thinking, what is going on with who, what? And then that, that kid's already on the all name team. And uh, so I started doing some reading on the individual on the way down. And it turns out that this kid is the most interesting man in the world. And most certainly <laughs> the most interesting player in the Ontario Hockey League. Ladies and gentlemen, eat your heart out for T-Bone. Yes, I said T-Bone Todd. So first off, I see you chipped your tooth. Did that happen recently? Uh, that actually happened quite early in the season. It was during practice when my teammates got it. And, uh, you know, that was an early wake-up coming into this league. Uh, you know, you got to pay a price and kind of like it. So <laughs> I've had it for quite a while. I've been trying to fix it, but I haven't gotten able, been able to get into the dentist yet. I mean, it kind of works with a nickname T-Bone. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you've answered this question a million times. Um, I read up on it, but where did it come from? So uh, my dad gave it to me long, long before I was born. He said that he was going to name his first uh, son T-Bone, so I just kind of got it. So uh, he he just... He said that he was. He, I have three older sisters too, so uh, he he wasn't gonna name them T Bone. So I was the first boy to come along, and I, I got chosen. So now it's just stuck ever since. There's a great story I read about your first day in kindergarten. Your mom said you shouldn't introduce yourself as T Bone, but yeah. you decided to. What was that like? Well, I mean, it was just kind of that was just me. That's just how I felt, and. Uh, you know, I was really little back then, and I just, that's all I knew. I knew my name was T-Bone, and I just said it. And, you know, my, my mom was really questionable, like, with the name. That's why I kind of, they kind of settled on Davis. But, uh, <laughs> so, I just, I just kind of went with it, and here I am. I was doing, obviously, again, some reading, and you might be the most interesting player in this league. Um, you also are quite the golf player. Yeah. How's your golf game? I'm not, I'm not too bad. I mean, I try to... I try to keep up with a couple other of my players on this team. Ethan Cardwell is a really good golfer. And, you know, I just, when I'm playing hockey, I love hockey. And when I'm playing golf, I love golf. So they just both, I think they both really contribute to each other. When you were younger, you said you wanted to be the another uh, two-sport athlete. Is there still aspirations to get out on the links professionally? Yes, I mean, I want to be the first NHL hockey player to play in a PGA Tour event. Like, uh, there's a couple athletes around the world, like Steph Curry. He's played in a Web.com event. There's Tony Romo. He's gotten play, uh, sponsors exemptions into uh, PGA Tour events. And, you know, that's just kind of my goal. I think that'd be really neat. So that's what I'm just going to try to do every day is just try to get that. Are there any uh, similarities between the two sports at a high level that you kind of, if you're, when you're playing hockey, you think, oh, I could use that in golf or vice yeah. versa? So, uh, you know, golf mentally really is a grind. I mean, it's you're out there. Sometimes you're walking 36 in 90-degree 90, 90 heat. You're just, it's just a complete grind, and it's just you and the ball. You know, you just got to be dialed in for every single shot, and if you don't, it could really cost you, and I think that really helps with hockey, just mentally on the aspect, just being dialed and c- coming in and then, um, hockey really helps with golf, with my power, just like with the ball and um, uh, around the like around the greens. Hockey helps as well because you got to have good hands and stuff. So hockey really helps both sports, and golf is, contributes to hockey as well. Your dad played golf a bit. How did you get into the game? I. Uh, uh, for hockey or golf? Golf. Okay, uh, he... We'll get to hockey in yeah, a second. Yeah, he got... He was going on a trip. He actually goes on trips with a lot of the NHL GMs, like Ken Holland, and he uh, he was going to Ireland, and I wanted to go with him, and I was about 
four or five years old, and I started. I grabbed one of his clubs, and I started hitting, like, just swinging in the in the yard. And my dad actually saw. I actually kind of had some form, and I don't know where it came from. And he's told my mom to take him to the range every day while I'm gone, and I'm gonna come golf with him when I get back. So he came back about a week and a half later, and I was hitting golf balls with him, and I just took off ever since. So how did you end up here in the OHL? How did you decide to play hockey? Well, uh, actually, going back to Ken Holland again, uh, I was we were at a hockey game and it was Thanksgiving. I think I was I was I came into the game a little bit later. I was seven, seven and a half maybe, and uh, it was Thanksgiving, and um, there was we were really close with the Hollands, and his two daughters were downstairs, and we came to like the wives' room after uh, after the game, and uh, Johan Franzen's fiance and Henrik Zetter's wife. Uh, came up to me and they uh, and they started stroking my hair, and uh, they, this is actually a true story. Like I'm not kidding. Like they started stroking my hair and they, in their Swedish accents, they started saying like, "Oh, Timon, you have the you have the most beautiful hockey hair. Do you play hockey?" And I didn't play hockey. I was so mad that I didn't play hockey and I couldn't say it to them. And I, I just shook my head no. And they said, oh, you should play hockey. And then they found out my name was T-Bone and they said, like, oh, hockey hair, hockey name, you must play hockey. So the next day I, I woke up and I came to my parents and I said I want to play hockey. So that's how I'm here. <laughs> so if they're listening to this, look at you now, eh? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you mentioned some names there in Ken Hall and your father and Ken's relationship. How has that um, affected your hockey? How, what kind of wisdom do you take from a guy like Ken? And obviously yeah. I read that you, you, you uh, have talked to Mike Babcock yeah. in the past as well. Yeah, so just growing up around that culture of the Red Wings and just being around the locker room and watching them in morning skates, we got to do, we were privileged enough to do so. And uh, just like kind of just seeing their habits and just seeing that they're doing that and they're getting paid, it just made me love the game so much and want to do that so badly. And, you know, I, I obviously, like you said, I got input from really, really wise hockey minds in this world. And uh, Mike Babcock and Ken Holland, they really just... They, they kind of put a love into the game for me. They just make me want to do it, and here I am now. How important was it for you to... You made the decision to come to the OHL. How important was it that it was Saginaw that got your rights? I mean, I've, we're obviously not too far away home. We're just about an hour away, and uh, we've, I've, my father actually knows knew that one of the owners, uh, Craig Goslin, also with Ken Holland and that kind of friend group, they golf together, and... Uh, I can, I've been coming down for visits uh, since uh, for the last couple of years, and you know we just kind of made the decision that if it was going to be anywhere, it was going to be here. It's just this is just such a first-class organization, from the management to the coaching staff to even the team. So it was just such an easy, uh, easy choice, and I think it's really gonna it's really gonna work out, and I love it so far. Yeah, how have you found the transition? I, I love it. I love the OHL. I love the OHL game games like uh i love the routine that you get to build you know coming going to school you know coming right from the rink and then like going right from school to the rink like i just love the routine that i'm building and i'm it's just i i can't wait for the season to keep going on dave drinkle said that during training camp it was uh glaring to him that there were times during drills where cole perfetti would be on one end and you would jump to the front of the line to go against him was that something you consciously did yeah, I mean, I still do that now. Like, uh, I try to jump in line with, with just all, like, the tough players to go against. I mean, but uh, going up against Cole Perfetti was actually in prospects camp. You know, I, you know, you don't really get to do that every day. So I really tried to do that, and it was just a blast. And just trying to shut down players that good, it's really going to translate into your game. So, like, it's just 
something that I didn't want to pass up on, and it was just a blast. You mentioned you have three older sisters. I know your oldest one's very close to you. Why? She's actually a very low-functioning autistic, and uh, she actually, just two weeks ago, she moved out of her house into, like, kind of a group home. So uh, she's been really close to our family, and uh, she just motivates me just to go out there and play for her because she, uh, you know, she's not as fortunate as all of us. We don't get, she doesn't get to do what we get to do. So I just try to go out there and, and uh, play and do, and just live my life through her, you know, because uh, she's one of our angels into this world, and I just, I live through her, and I love her so much. If it's possible for me to be extremely jealous of a 17-year-old kid, I'm extremely jealous of a 17-year-old kid. He's just phenomenal, eh? And what a, what a kid. I, I said it on the broadcast after that interview. But, you know, he shakes my hand. He looks at me in the eyes afterwards. He says thanks a lot. When I saw him throughout the year when Kitchener and Sagan and I would play each other, he made sure to say hello to me. Like, just a real stand-up guy. Big, giant smile. It's very easy to like a kid like T-Bone Cod. And, oh, my goodness, what a nickname. Like, that is just <laughs> phenomenal. I'm I'm doing it. If I ever have children, which I'm still up in the air about, if I ever have children, very first thing I'm doing in the hospital, I don't even care what my wife wants to name him. I'm just saying his name's T-Bone. We're calling him T-Bone. Because I, I just think that's the greatest. You get a nickname before you can even walk. Solid. Didn't even think he'd play hockey. Just decided to take it up for one of the greatest reasons ever. Oh, by the way, I'm also awesome at golf. Okay, yeah. T-Bone, shut up. So jealous. One of those guys that's just good at everything, eh? No kidding. No they kidding. Say Joe, they say Joe Pavelski's like that. You know, another guy that was certainly like that in the Ontario Hockey League and, and to a degree in the National Hockey League, it all ended so badly for this guy. But at the time, people would have told you as we kind of start to look back on some of our stories from our time in this game. And we've got to go into the uh, Farwell and Pope at gmail.com email inbox before the end of this episode too. But uh, that guy that seemed to be able to do it all in junior hockey and was widely regarded as one of the best leaders. And you'll have to forgive us, at least from my perspective, most of my stories revolve around the team I've covered for most of my junior career, and that's the Kitchener Rangers. But Mike Richards, a former captain, and of course into the National Hockey League with the Philadelphia Flyers and so on and so forth. But he was widely regarded as one of the best leaders junior hockey ever saw, and certainly the Kitchener Rangers ever saw. And I'll never forget a game that goes back to the fall of 2003. So the Rangers are coming off uh, their second Memorial Cup championship as a franchise, and they're playing the Saginaw Spirit within the first, I don't know, 20 games or so of that 2003-2004 uh, season. And they allow four goals in the second period. They're down 5-2 at the end of two. And again, you're the defending champs. Saginaw was not a great team. It was an awful period. Pete DeBoer is on another planet. He's so angry walking off the from behind the bench. And I'm at the time doing the intermission interviews. So I'm waiting as the line of players passes me. And I have to grab Mike Richards because... Of course, he's got the C on his jersey, and even as I pull him out of the line of players going to the locker room, I'm say, I say, I know this is tough, I'm sorry, but you know these are the times we have to come to the guys with the letters. So we had a little studio set up in a dressing room at the time, and we go into this studio, and he has not said a word to me. Like He came out of the line when I asked him to. We get set up in the studio during our commercial break, 
and he still hasn't, he hasn't said one word. He's just kind of staring. And I'm like, oh my God, what kind of interview is, is this going to be? Now, to his credit, gave a great interview. He was always good at that sort of thing, but he just, he never looked at me. He, you could tell how angry he was. So Rangers come out for the third period. Uh, the Spirit get another goal. Now they're down six to two is Kitchener. And then Mike Richards clearly had decided, I always look back at it and say, he decided in that second intermission that it was on him to bring the team back in this game. He wasn't going to allow this to happen. So down 6-2, Richards gets three assists, and then with about eight minutes to play, scores the game-tying goal, 6-6 to overtime. Andre Benoit wins it. Rangers win 7-6. Richards, four points to help the team come back from 6-2 down. One of the best performances I've seen, and truly a guy that just seemed to will the team to victory, said, I'm the captain, it's on my shoulders, let's go. It was awesome. I do love that. I really, I really do. We saw we saw um, last year Riley Damiani do the same type of thing in Flint. If you remember, he came out um, and just took over the game after leaving uh, in the first period, I think, or second period with an upper body injury. He yeah. came back. And then they said he had a hangnail after the game. <laughs> Dan, <laughs> That's right. Dan, Danny Liebold's favorite uh, favorite saying. Hey, can I get an update on that guy? Yeah, hangnail. Looked like he was holding his leg there, Dan. Yeah, hangnail. Okay. <laughs> I, I always I always loved the hangnail one. I remember um, you talk about um, just looking back in, in that era. I I don't know if I've told the story before, but um, when I was trying out with the Guelph Storm there and playing junior B, my buddy was uh, still on the big club and uh he was often a healthy scratch though uh so I, we would go to the games together and i remember when they traded for cam jansen uh, in that run they had a there was a tough kid on on sound named smith it was s-m-y-t-h i believe i think his brother's name was matter he was not anyway one way or the other these two were the easily the biggest heavyweights in the league and for people that never saw cam jansen he often rolled up the jersey to show off the elbow pads and like wore the gloves real loose. He was out there for a purpose. He was trying to send a message without sending a message. And he was skating back into the zone, the defensive zone. Owen Sound was set up in Guelph's end. I'm pretty sure this was playoffs. And the, one of the defensemen um, went for a line change. So they were crisscrossing in the neutral zone. Well, the defenseman used his hand and just kind of pulled Jansen by the, uh, by the shield, like the mask. And all, and it, the chin strap caught Jansen's head, spun his head back, and all in one motion, as his head was turning back, the gloves and stick fell, and he was ready to go. And he's ch- all of a sudden, the whole Owen Sound bench stands up, and they are screaming at this defenseman, He's coming! He's coming! <laughs> and this defenseman skates to the opposition bench, and I'm not kidding, literally just dives headfirst into the bench. And Jansen's sitting at like the face-off dot in the neutral zone. He's got no gloves, no helmet on, and he is just screaming at the bench, any one of you, let's go. <laughs> and it was almost in full unison. The whole bench just took a step backwards and sat down. They were like, mm, nope, <laughs> nope. And we see those wires have crossed. And I remember sitting in the stands with my buddy, and we both just looked at each other and went, did that just happen? Did he just challenge an entire bench? It was unbelievable. One of the coolest things I've seen in the OHL. Maybe until this year. What what was your highlight of the season this year, Pardee? 
Oh my goodness, the highlight of just this season in the Ontario the Hockey League. Man, oh man, oh man. Okay, well, I, I already know mine, so I'll give you some time to think, because I don't think it's close. All right. I don't think it was close. It was a cool, brisk Sunday afternoon. <laughs> in the After a wonderful media room meal in the lovely metropolis of Mississauga. Aren't we doing a game... And it was actually the day Kobe Bryant died because we got news breaking the news that Kobe Bryant had died. And Kitchener, I believe, was up 3 nothing, And then... 4-1 headed to the third. No, okay, so it was 3 nothing at the time. Yeah. Because Mississauga scored their first goal. And some guy decides... <laughs> that he's, he, he's at the, the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, and he throws what I can only assume was a steelhead fish, a trout, onto the ice. And everybody stands around wondering what on earth is going on. The referees don't want to touch it. Players aren't going near it. It's just sitting there. They're all waiting for arena staff to come out. Meanwhile, the arena staff's back there trying to unlock the door, trying to find a shovel and a bucket. Well, eventually, they they say, as far as you'll never meet a bad Swede, and in our time around the Rangers in the last three years, and even going back a little further, I think that reigns true because Axel Bergfist, God bless him, he's on the bench and he's had enough. He skates over, takes off the glove, picks it up, goes skates back to the bench, throws it on the bench, lines up for the faceoff. Let's go. Why is everybody waiting around here? I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in a hockey rink. Yeah, that's that's a great memory from this year that uh, was a little bit away from the game. The, the thing I'm keeping, I continue to come back to, if I think back on the, the 61 games that, well, the Rangers played 63, but uh, it's going to revert to 61 as we talked about earlier with the uh, regular season being canceled. All teams will be reset to their 61 game total because that's where Mississauga was at, 61 games played when the regular season got canceled. But on the ice, I remember a game on a Sunday afternoon in Kitchener with the Windsor Spitfires in town. The Spits won it in overtime, but it, that might be one of the best hockey games we saw all season. That Windsor Spitfires team this year, and if you want to talk about the tragedy of the the canceled season and, and who knows what's happening down the road, everybody thinks they're a year ahead of schedule, or it seems to be they're going to be a good team next year, but what a fun team to watch, and we had that game on a Sunday at the Memorial Auditorium. It was physical. It was fast. It was a little bit nasty. Finishes 5-4 in OT. I mean, the very best that junior hockey has to offer and one of those games that make you sit back and say, man, oh man, I wish more people would see these games because in some markets, it just doesn't get the love, the game that is, that it deserves. I'm with you. I, I look back to even how the season started. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you... Uh, think back to it was the first game of the year at home versus Saginaw, two of the teams everybody talked about coming in to the season this year. And Saginaw jumps out to the 2-1 lead and then eventually 4-2 heading into the third. And Kitchener comes back with two goals from their two first-rounders, Vlad and Pinelli, in the, that third period. And then, of course, it's former Saginaw spirit Ryan Stepien that wins it in overtime for the Rangers in just a, a thriller to kick off the year. I remember everybody leaving that game being like, holy cow, what a hockey game. And uh, th- those those two teams, <clears throat> Saginaw and Kitsch, had a couple of battles throughout the year. 
you know, going back a little bit further, but not too much. Do you remember that time just a few years ago that I called uh, Ryan McGill, the head coach of the Owen Sound Attack, a dick? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do, because he did not like you. No. And and, I mean, to be fair, I'm owning it. I didn't, I didn't like call him a dick to his face or even say Ryan McGill is a dick. But what happened was it was, it was a playoff game uh, up in Owen Sound, Rangers in attack, and the attack were up 9-1, to one, and they got a power play late third period and started their top power play unit. And I just, I just observed that on Twitter. I just pointed out that in a 9-1 game with three minutes to go, Ryan McGill has sent out his number one power play unit, and somebody responded to my tweet and my response to that response was it's a dick move and clearly that got back to ryan McGill because yeah yeah let's just say there was a fence that needed to be mended in in fairness and to credit ryan mcgill he accepted my offering of a handshake back when we were still shaking hands with people and we we talked about it and the funniest part about it to me was he brought up a similar incident when Pete DeBoer and Steve Spott were coaching the Rangers and they reeled out their top power play unit when the score was da 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 it was that a dick move? I'm like, dude, I, I don't even know what game you're talking about, but you weren't here at the time. Like, where does that data come from? Anyway, I guess it was a little bit of payback. Uh, they have long memories memories there at the Bayshore. Uh, well, yeah, they do. And they were, what, this was their 10th straight year making the playoffs? Is that what it was? 10 straight, or 10 straight 31 year, 31 seasons, I think it was. That's right. Sound That's what year. it was. Yeah. 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 10, 10 straight. 31. Yeah. Not Just bad. I'm up there. No, for the smallest market team in the league, they continue to uh, do what they do, put up winning seasons, and they continue to get tons of fans for that city and that building. Um, I, I love Owen Sound. It's one of my favorite places to go to. Just because my days dating back to chasing around Mike Spear around the, <laughs> the rink back when I was a youngster growing up to watch Malcolm. I always liked Mike Spear. I don't know why. And then when he got traded, I cried. <laughs> true, true story. <laughs> Do you remember those days when we cared so much about teams and the players that played on them that it would upset us emotionally? Oh, I think I think that still reigns true. Um, I'm sure... <laughs> if, well, I'm sure even with Joseph Greffa, I'm sure there were some people that, uh, um, that got emotional when... Uh, when he was traded, some young Who? players, right, that look up to him. Who was that? I, I can't remember his name. He went oh, to yeah. Ottawa. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, love yeah. you, Joey. Just just playing around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what do we Mike, got? What do we got in the inbox, Popper? Oh, sorry, I was just looking at Mike Spear to see where he went. <laughs> Drafted second round of the Chicago Blackhawks. He was a one sound player of the year. He got traded. He had thirty two points in thirty two games, eighty six pims, and got traded to Windsor. Never played a game in the National Hockey League, but he was always my favorite. The old platers, those are days too. The Guelph platers, the Owen Sound platers. One of these days, we should just do an entire podcast dedicated to tracing the history of various organizations. Okay, we could do that. We'll bring our bus driver Moose in. He got a piece of paper down in Windsor at the tail end of the year there. And uh, he was all excited about where teams came from and what they were. How You want to talk about guys that are disappointed. How heartbroken is he going to be right now? Oh my goodness. Not only is he out of ferrying around the Kitchener Rangers to various points in the OHL, but his is another industry that is hurt hard right now, and, and he's sitting at home probably listening to this podcast. Shout out, Moose. Hopefully. 
Uh, so let's go to the inbox. We should have like a jingle. Ready? Coming down, a jingle from Farwell in three, two, one. Wait a minute. You're putting me on the spot for the jingle? Yeah. Ding. Oh, come on. What do you jingle want? coming down in three, two, one. Diddly, diddly, diddly. As hey, if. Uh, That's terrible. Yeah, thank you. Hope you, <laughs> this is what you get when we're in two different locations, folks. Actually, uh, it's no less terrible when we're in the same location. Yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. Uh, hello, gentlemen. Hope you've been both doing well and staying away from one another. We are, David. I uh, would love to hear what you guys have to say about the draft. It's upcoming April 4th, I believe, Farley. Uh, uh, will, yeah. will Adam Fantilli go first overall? I think the answer is almost certainly yes. Yes, from everything we are hearing, yes. Uh, London continues to do well, holding the 19th, 22nd, and 25th picks to start the draft. Comments? Concerns? London continues to do well. I think you could have stopped that sentence right there. <laughs> like, that's, that's very, right? No, you're, you're right, 100%. <laughs> and that 25th pick will be a kid from the States that has said he's not coming to the league, but will end up coming to the league with the brand-new penthouse downtown London. Wow. Do the, ra- do wow. the Kitchener Rangers pick a D-man in the first round? He says yes. I say no. I think their defense is pretty solid coming into next year. I think they're going to pick a forward. Well, I'm going to give you the answer that you'll get when you interview. What? The best player available. And then after you get that player, no matter who it was you were targeting, you're going to be so excited that you found that player still available at that point in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting question. Uh, are the Rangers, as David is asking specifically about Kitchener, set at D, considering that next year is going to be a year where perhaps the deadline is a time to, to move parts? Um, you know, so you've got your Sobrangos and you've got likely your Odovinans. And I'm trying to, th- I, you know what, they might be looking at a D-man as opposed to another forward. Yeah, maybe. Because I, I think there's still some pretty nice, uh, well-rounded depth up front for this hockey club, even with the departure of the overagers. And I think, I don't know, can you ever have enough defense? That's another question to ask. I mean, the Rangers certainly showed this year that they don't think that's the case when they got hold and whale at the trade deadline and have been running with seven defensemen for most of the latter part of the regular season. So... I think they might be looking uh, at the blue line for their first round selection this year. But really, it, I'm I'm hearing that it's not the deepest of drafts that we've seen. So, you know, the, the defensemen are always, always a bit of a wild card. Forwards, I find, are, you know, you can, you can always, it seems that the, that the premier forwards come around more often than the premier D. So is there, in a draft that's not incredibly deep, going to be, a first rounder, like a blue chip first rounder D for the Rangers to get when it's their turn to come around. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do if they do take a defenseman. Their last two first round defensemen have been shipped out of town. Oh, yeah, that's right. Just saying. Um, you mentioned how scouts and general managers always say that they were shocked that a player was available when they got him. And I'm sure we heard that when they got Francesco Pinelli. Well, and the, 13th, and I, I 
redoing that draft, I don't think he's there at 13. Yeah, a lot of even outsiders were saying that they thought Pinelli was a top 10 guy and the Rangers found him at 13th, which is good, great value, quite frankly, for a kid that, man, there's another thing. Coulda, woulda, shoulda scored 20 as a rookie, right? Yeah. Reed yeah. Vlad in his draft year after being snake bit as a first rounder scoring five, he was on 17 when the regular season came to an end. These are things you'll never be able to to recover, but you'll always ask the questions about. And you talk about the scouts and the general managers and stuff. That's one of the other interesting things that's kind of a, a sidebar to this draft, because as we know, the OHL draft, the priority selection, as they call it, is conducted entirely online. So you have uh, the various war rooms all on a conference call. But the challenge for the league this year, and it's going to be a bit of a logistical nightmare, to be honest with you, you can't have the entirety of your war room in one place because that's too big a group. So you're going to have scouts connected on one phone line to the war room and then the war room connected to the league, right? So when it's your ter- your team's turn to pick, you got to consult, make your pick, but that's going to be done remotely and then feed into the league from there. So it's it's going to be really interesting how the league handles this in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's going to go down exactly how it's been each and every year, right? It's, as you mentioned, it's all online now, so there's no contact between anybody. Obviously, each teams are going to have to figure out how they do it in their own war room because you're normally right next to another guy and your hands are on their iPad and their laptop and so on and so forth. Um, but the draft is going to go ahead as planned, which I like. Get that done. And it's sad that the OHL Cup won't be played because it's a, it's a great tournament for these youngsters. It's a great experience for them. But the majority of these players have been seen enough by scouts that a tournament's really not going to, you know, move them too high up or too far down a, a draft ranking for a team. Yeah, if you don't have things uh, lined up by now, I don't think the OHL Cup is really going to be a difference maker, although it's a great showcase for the kids. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, it gives you a chance to see them at the... At the uh, the peak of their season, to be sure. I got a little nugget here for you, Farzi. Okay. Um, just with everybody, you know, being trapped indoors. I don't say trapped indoors, kept indoors. Obviously, Twitter's on fire. And our uh, fellow broadcaster of the league, Joey Botano, down in Saginaw, fired something out and said, I'll have some time on my hands in the coming days. And wanted to open it up to your questions, whether involving spirit, hockey, hockey in general, the business side of the game, broadcasting, you name it. Your good friend replied to him, Greg Brady, and he says, former OHL broadcaster who you have the most, utmost actually, respect for and whose actions and career has paved the way for all who followed him. (laughs) I'll never forget Greg Brady. And you know the broadcast set up in Saginaw, right? He's yeah. he's leaning over there yelling down, I won't give names, but you'll never ref another game in this league. And I'll remind you that he's the play-by-play guy. <laughs> I love the man's passion, and he is one of the most talented, the most intelligent people I've ever had the pleasure of working with. No offense. And control with the best of them. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good at it. Oh, he's unbelievable. He'll tweet stuff he doesn't believe. He's just looking for a reaction, and I absolutely love it for one. Keep those emails coming like David just did, farwellandpope at gmail.com. We'll uh, we'll figure out 
if we've got something else to share with you story-wise or league-wise, but uh, we'll keep the episodes coming as often as we can as we continue to to go through these unprecedented times in our world. But appreciate you taking some time away from the madness to join us on this one. Yeah, it was good. I like doing it. Um, as always, you can get in touch with us at farwellandpope at gmail.com. Um, David did ask if there were any sleepers in the draft that we liked. We we have a hard enough time following the OHL and all the players in this league. We can't afford to get around to rinks and watch the 2,000 kids that are available for the draft. So no sleepers from us here. Um, Mark commented on our Facebook page, Farwell and Pope Podcast, and he just said, uh, another topic could be players or famous people that share your birthday. I found out last Saturday I share a birthday with Reed Vallad. I also lived my impressionable years in his hometown. I think you could do a recap on the EA game simulated this week. Yeah, oh, no kidding. Cheesy goal. Johnny Yance scored against Sardia. That was so much fun. I'm glad, you know what, might as well do stuff like that, right? Yeah, why not, right? I found out this week, my birthday is about, I can't remember if it's three or four days away from Ville Odevinen. Does that count? Is it close enough? Ah, uh, sure. Okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> a couple days away. There you uh, go. Uh, Rain Wilson and I share the same birthday. That's, that's a big one for me. Uh, Madonna and I share the same birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Well, it makes sense. She goes by Madonna, you go by Farwell. Isn't that how it works? That's exactly how it works. <laughs> I can't. I can't even go to the grocery store without I, me seeing someone I know and them asking, "Oh, you like your time away from Farzy?" And Everybody your answer, your answer should always be yes. Any time away from Farzy is a good time. Yeah, I like to say that. I always have time away from. He has to jump up to see eye level. Wow. I just kid. I haven't seen you in a while, but I had to throw one joke. Popper, you stay safe out there. You too, buddy. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope Socially Distant Podcast. That's a wrap on this edition of the Farwell and Pope Podcast. Your authority on everything around the OHL. Have a question or topic you'd like covered? Email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope Podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.